Welcome to Elevate, yeah? All right, hi. <laughs> okay, before we get started, grab your cans of pop. We're gonna do this on three. One, two. Nice, man, it's every week. Every week, it is so satisfying. It's like the highlight of my week is this moment right here. You guys are witnessing my highlight. This is incredible. Okay, Rise Night, here, I've got an invite here. Rise Night. It's happening next Wednesday. It is finally here. It is finally here. So next Wednesday, show up at 5.30. We're going to show up just a bit early. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're giving away an Oculus Quest 2 to one of you guys. One of you guys can get this. This is incredible. Um, honestly, I really want it, but that would be weird if I want it. So that can't happen. But Rise Night's happening next week. So excited for that. But tonight we are finishing our James series with James chapter 5, which is the last chapter of James, obviously. Who here has read James chapter 5 last week? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a decent amount. I would say about a third. A third of you guys read James chapter 5. The other two-thirds of you guys, I, I, I don't know what to say. You guys need to read James 5. Um, so a third of you guys read James chapter 5. And if you did, you would notice it is split up into four separate parts. And so what we're going to do tonight is I have asked four separate people, and they're each going to take a portion of James chapter 5, and they're going to preach a mini five to seven minute sermon on it. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. I believe it's important for us to hear different voices and different perspectives, um, different things that God is speaking to different people. So right now, I'm going to invite all of the Elevate voices onto the stage, and they're going to take their seat. So let's give them a big round of applause as they come up. Yeah, there they all are. They're taking their seats. You guys are, yeah. You guys, so keep clapping, keep clapping, guys. It's awkward. Okay, yeah. Good job. It, it is very bright. Okay, so I'm going to introduce them to you guys. In case you don't know, I'm going to introduce them to you. I'm going to pray and then hand it off. So the first person I'd like to introduce is Josiah. He is, hey, let's give him a round of applause, guys. Josiah. Yeah, he's an outstanding man, full of integrity. Love this guy. My next friend here is Alyssa. Let's give Alyssa a big round of applause. <laughs> Alyssa is on the marching band for Staley. She does an amazing job. She plays the flute. So, no, I'm not. I'm not going to shush. Okay, next person we've got Maddie. We've got Maddie. Give her a round of applause. Maddie is an author, a photographer. She does it all. She is amazing. And my last friend here is Zach. Let's give Zach a round of applause here, guys. Zach, okay. Something I would like to say about Zach is he has the best memory of anybody I know. He has the best memory. Just ask him a random movie fact, and he'll tell you the month it came out, the year it came out, and when he saw it in theaters. So Zach, is, he's a great guy. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll get started here. So Father, I thank you for these amazing people. I pray that you bless them, and you bless us, and you bless us through them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here is Josiah. Thank you, Sean. How are you guys doing tonight? You guys doing good? Good. Well, your night's about to get better. Because we start out James 5 with James talking about an interesting topic from all the other things he's been talking about in the book. He's talking about one of the most human things that you can do, and it's getting mad at rich people. Like, he's just yelling at rich people for six chapters, and he's just ruthless about it. So I just imagine him sitting at his desk, about to finish his one letter to the church, 
And he's like, I got to make sure I slip this in there. Like, we got to make sure that they know that I'm mad at all the rich people. But, so, this section, like I said, is about rich people in general. He's not talking to believers, so a lot of scholars believe, because he's not asking them to repent. He's just saying, this is what you guys are doing, and it's not good, and this is what's going to happen if you continue. So, and you may be asking, like I asked whenever I first looked at this, I was like, how does this impact me? I'm just a normal person. I'm not a millionaire. I don't have a lot of money or influence. How does this affect me? So, as we, after I read the passage, then we can go through and talk about where it becomes applicable to us. So, James chapter 5, 1, verses six, 1 through 6. It says, Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. And that's it. That's all he says. He just says, you guys are awful people. And this is what's going to happen to you if you keep doing this. That's just, that's just how, what he says. And then he moves on to the next thing, the power of prayer. And that's it. Like, he just moves on to the next thing. But, and so that's why it's confusing. Like, I'm just a normal person. Like, what, what does this mean for me? But it seems to me that he's calling out three specific things in this passage of Scripture. He's talking about, he's calling out materialism. He's calling out faith in those material things. And he's calling out hypocrisy. And so before I move on to those, it's important whenever you read any part of scripture that you have the context behind it because if you take any if you cherry pick any scripture you can twist it however you like but you got to have the context so right at the end of chapter four of James James is talking about self-confidence and a warning to self-confident people and there are two versions of self-confidence there's the first version which is just knowing who you are knowing who you are and what you're capable of so you just know okay that thing, I can do that. Or I know who I am, I could do this. I could get up and speak. I could go run a race. I could do that. But the confidence that he's calling out, the self-confidence he's calling out, is trusting only who you are and what you're capable of. So he's not saying don't be confident. He's just saying don't trust in that alone. But the reason why I bring that up is because the very next thing he talks about is rich people. He goes right in warning self-confident people and rich people. And he almost ties those two groups together because if you're rich, a lot of times you can be very self-confident in a negative way. And so the first thing he calls out is materialism, which we all know is just an obsession of material things here on earth. That's not a healthy thing. We know that. You're not supposed to be obsessed with the things of this world. You're supposed to look, your, look, look at the things of God, right? But then he also calls out the faith in those material things. It says in James chapter 5, verse 3, it says, your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. So he's saying that not only is focusing on material things, is it bad? But he's also saying, this is what you're going to be defined by. Since you didn't focus your life on the things of God like you should have, you're going to be defined as a good person for the amount of wealth that you have, and the amount of influence that you have, because that's all there is. And a lot of people, probably before they got rich, or they were just born into it, they were thinking, I can do all these good stuff. I can be charitable. 
I can use my influence for good, but it doesn't always work out that way. That people can sometimes be corrupted by the things that they once idolized. But then the last one, hypocrisy, is where it really becomes um, applicable to us. Because the last half of this, four, verses 4 through 6, talk about the big rich, like the rich people of the day, propping their feet up and not working. Okay, And then they have people who do their work for them. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But what they choose to do is that as they're not doing the work, they're not the ones who are doing what, they are, what their workers are doing, they're calling those people out and they're condemning them and they're cheating them of their pay. They're not doing the work that they think, oh, that's not that hard. Why can't you just do it? And these people back then in the ancient times, a lot of times they had never done the work themselves. It's not like today where you're an entrepreneur and you can go up and you start your business and then you can go from there. They just were, a lot of times were born into this. So they didn't know what the people were going through, but they were like, you're not doing that right. I'm going to take your pay away from you and I'm going to kill you because I don't like what you're doing. I need more money. And for us, this has to do with how we judge each other. Like if I look at Sean, let's say, and he does something wrong that I don't like, and I just beat him over the head for it, or worse, even worse, go behind his back and talk about it. It's like, this, that's not good. It's especially whenever I have something, like Jesus said, in my own eye, that I'm just completely ignoring. And I'm not focusing on that. I'm completely ignoring that and saying, he's wrong, I'm right, end of conversation. And that's not good. And just like at the beginning, whenever I was saying, you know, it's a human thing to like, like Sean said a couple weeks ago, like get mad at rich people, you know, like, or rich corporations. But maybe it's out of jealousy. Maybe we're jealous of them, and maybe if we had what they had, we would rationalize the same things that they're doing. Just like with our friends. If they are doing something, they have a relationship that we want. They have things that we want. But we're just jealous of them, so we just think, we make up stuff that they do wrong, and we're just like, yeah, I'm right, because I feel vindicated. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be, to be confident in who we are and who God says that we are. We're called to keep our eyes and focus on what God has called us to do and called us to be. And we are also called to love everyone around us, regardless of what they do or what they look like. And we're supposed to, we can correct people, but we have to do it out of love or else there's no purpose and it's only harmful. So that's what I heard God telling me about this part of James 5. Um, Now let's all give a hand to Alyssa as she comes up to speak. Thank you finger. Gotta love that. Um, okay, so hi. Um, <laughs> um, so when I was reading through these verses, all God was pointing me to was uh, silence and being patient. God will put us through a silent stage. We may never hear from him for maybe months, days, hours, or minutes, but I feel like we forget that God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are working on us during the silence. God is teaching us another thing during the silence. It's being patient. Being patient could lead to our next level in our relationship with God. God is just getting us ready for our next uh, chapter in our life. God has a job for each and every one of us on this earth. Seven billion people has a purpose in heaven, even for the non-believers or the believers in other cultures. He shows us his love in so many different ways. Um, The last verse of James chapter 5, verse 12, for all my James chapter 5 readers out there, um, you will understand why, what this is. Um, 
I thought it was very confusing for me until God made me realize that he doesn't want half of us, meaning there isn't a maybe answer. There's a yes or no answer. Answering no is only there because even though he wants us in heaven and uh, his kingdom, he doesn't force your decision because he wants it to be your decision. No is uh, when you turn around and walk away from God. He doesn't want that. He doesn't. Um, but he knows that you will come back to him because he knows you and knows that you will make the right decision. And welcome back to Maddie. Hi, guys. So <laughs> mine's going to be short and simple. Um, when I was praying over what I was supposed to speak, God was just like, it's in my word. So just highlight what I'm saying and tell them. So these are five simple steps that God has shown that you can use for every situation. So in James 5, 13, it says, anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. So the first step is to pray. And then James 15, 13b says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So the second thing is to praise him. James 5, 14 through 16 says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And then offer, and then pray offered in faith will make, them, make the sick people well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the third thing is to have community. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So the fourth thing is to pray earnestly. James 5.18 says, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So the last one is to pray again. So to go over them one more time, so we have to pray, praise, have community, pray earnestly, and pray again. And then for our final speaker, Zach. Pardon me while I act like an old person trying to get into my phone. There we go. All right. So anyway, I've been really enjoying this, uh, this James series. It's been awesome, and it's kind of cool. I didn't realize at the start of it that I would get to be finishing it off. So here we go. I got the very last part, James 5, 19 through 20. It is, my brothers and sisters, if anyone wanders away from the truth and someone helps that person come back, remember this. Anyone who brings a sinner back from the wrong way will save that person from eternal prison and cause many sins to be forgiven. Now, when I first read that, I was like, what does he mean by many sins? Because, like, doesn't God forgive all sins? I was kind of confused by that. I'm not going to lie. And so the answer to that is yes, God does forgive all sins. We know that from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what does he mean by many sins? So what I felt like God was showing me in this is that every single person here on this planet is guilty of many sins. Now, it's very easy to fall into a trap. Like, you know, we think as believers, we all know, like, you know, that everybody has to be a sinner. It says, for we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. But sometimes there's those people, like Dylan, you're like, he's probably only sinned once, you know. Um, 
<laughs> you know, there's a, we're tempted to think that sometimes, like, oh, they've never, mm, they don't really sin that much, you know. But no, that's not true. We're all actually guilty of many sins. And so, uh, let me see real quick here. Awesome. So the purpose of James 15, 19 through 20, what it's doing is it's encouraging us to set people free of their many sins from the good news that has set us free uh, from our many sins. However, if we want to effectively do that, um, we have to humble ourselves. That's like an essential step. If you want to go out and be a light to the world, be a light to people at your school, be a light to people at work, you have to humble yourself. Now, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like every preacher has like a different definition of what humility is. Like every time, like, you know, one guy will be like, oh, this is humility. And then like he definitively says that. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I hear some other pastor and it's like completely different. Um, What I felt like God was showing me, it's always the same meaning in their heart at the end of the day. But what I felt like God was showing me for this specific uh, message was that humility is when we get to a point where we acknowledge that I can't, but God can, and that I'm not, but God is. The beautiful thing in that is that if you get to a point where you truly acknowledge that and you truly accept that, God will transform you into being more like him. And suddenly the God that can and the God that is will live inside of you and work with you and partner with you. That's incredible. I don't know if you guys think that. You should, but um, I think that's incredible personally. Um, And here's the thing. If God has a specific person on your heart right now in your life, if there's somebody at, let's say your job. I know for me that's the case. Um, Do not give up on that person. And I think as Christians we think, well, you know, I'm not going to give up on them. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes we do give up on people. Um, and we don't realize it. We, with our mouths, say we haven't given up on them, but in our hearts we have. We gossip about them, we, and then we'll justify that. Well, I'm not gossiping. I'm just venting. You know, they annoyed me today. And, no, if you have to say, I, God loves them, but you're going too far. You're going too far. Um, it is very important that you do not give up on them because here's the thing. God, even if they're not a believer right now, God has a dream and a vision for them, and it's our job to help them see that. And God wants to partner with us so that they know that. And don't believe Satan's lies about their identity, even if they believe those lies about themselves. Um, Something I think is really cool is instead of viewing certain people that we're witnessing to, instead of having a mindset of if they'll ever get saved, have a mindset of when they'll get saved. It is true that if you do, you know, walk with the Holy Spirit and end up witnessing to a lot of people throughout your life. There will be those who turn it down. Um, But don't give up just because of that. Still keep that mentality of no, when they get saved. Um, Some of you, though, might hear that. You're like, all right, well, that's great. I don't really have somebody in my life, though, that I really feel like God's put on my heart to really do that to. So what do I do there? Well, first of all, you don't need God to make it clear that there's somebody that you need to minister to. If you go to school, if you work, if you exist, um, (laughs) you can find people who need to hear the good news, okay? They're out there. Um, But even in that, even if you're like, you know, I just don't know, I don't know. Here's the thing. We all have a part to play. God is ultimately the people, or <laughs> the people. God is ultimately the, the one who saves people, but we do have a part to play. So trust God with his job, because he's always faithful to complete his job. 
but know that you have a part. And so if you don't know what that part is, when you get up in the morning before going to school, instead of going, all right, if I can just get through today and maybe I can read my Bible, that's good, you should do that. But get with God first thing in the morning and say, God, what is my part and how do you want me to play it today? And even if you don't feel like there's anyone around you that you should be ministering to or whatever, if you're around a lot of other believers or whatever, just start with being faithful where you are. Start with having a good attitude at school with being a respectful student to your principal, to your teacher, being a respectful peer to your classmates. Have a workers, have a servant heart and do it for God because in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 it says, so whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so don't even have the mindset like, oh, you know, I'm doing this job just to get a paycheck or I'm doing school so I can go to college. No, have the mindset of I'm doing this right here today for God. And when you do that, when you start with the small things, if you're faithful and small, you'll be faithful with much. And when you do that, God will eventually show you those people that you need to minister to. And it's not a matter of working your way up to that. It's more of giving God what you have now, what you can be trusted with now, so that he can transform you into the person you need to be um, in order to reach out to people. So anyway, last point I want to make is that in that first verse I read, James, uh, well, section, James 5, 19 through 20, it says, if someone wanders away from the truth, remember this. Don't take that lightly. I think sometimes as Christians, we think like, oh, you know, you know, yeah, we should go out, reach out to people. Yay. Anyway, God, what are you wanting me to do? What am I supposed to do? Don't take that lightly. There are people out there in your life. Go tell them about the good news because it'll set them free of many sins. That's all I have. So I guess I'm passing it on to Sean. So. That is so awesome. It's awesome stuff. Um, give these guys a big round of applause as they go back to their seats. You guys did awesome job. Awesome job. Oh, yes. They're taking their stools off, too. Man, hard workers. Yeah. Okay, and I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up. I'm going to, we're going to wrap this up here. Um, and I just want to say, you guys, they did an incredible job. They're, I'm going to, I want to challenge you guys to find something in there that stuck out to you. Find something in there that stuck out to you. And if you can think of what it is, go up to that person afterwards and compliment them on it. Encourage them with that. That, hey, what you said here, that really, that really changed my perspective. You know, as, as somebody who speaks often, I can tell you just a little comment like that can make all the difference in the world. So just find some, I want to encourage you guys to find something in there that a speaker said or somebody said and write that down. Remember that. Take that with you this week. Take that with you as you go to bed tonight and encourage them with that and tell them about that. So it was, it was awesome stuff. I know I got a lot out of it, but we're going to wrap up here. So if you guys would stand up with me as we pray here. We're going to pray and do one last worship song. So during this time is the time to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something in your heart that needs to change. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just reveal something to me that I need to change. Reveal something in my life that needs to be adjusted. I'm going to give just a moment for God to speak to us tonight. Because whenever, whenever God speaks to me, it's never, it's never been an audible voice, even though I've met people that have heard God audibly. It's never been a big vision, even though I know people have gotten visions. But for me, it's always an impression on my heart, an impression on my spirit.
So God, what are you trying to tell us tonight that we need to change? What are you trying to encourage us with? What good news are you trying to impart on us? And I just ask the Holy Spirit, you just reveal to us and make it clear to us tonight. So God, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and for your words and for what you have to say to us tonight. And I pray that you just continually speak to us as we go through our night and through our week and our month. In Jesus' name, let's worship tonight, guys.